Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. I'd like to introduce you to Pastor Haji. Pastor Haji is on the left, taller of the two. Pastor Haji is standing in front of his house, which just the night before had huge stones that were hurled through the roof, just barely missing he and his wife. The week before, his house had been set on fire. Now the message was pretty clear. Either return to Islam or get out of our community. The tactics that were being um, used on Pastor Haji and his wife didn't come as a surprise to him because he had actually been the leader of the group that was now doing it to him. Haji had gone over from Ethiopia to Saudi Arabia, received special training in such tactics of influence, brought them back, raised up a group of people, and had them going out through the communities there. Now, the man that Pastor Haji has his arm around is actually the individual that shared Jesus with him. And this is what Pastor Haji says about him. I used to beat him. I angrily beat him. I beat him for speaking the words of Jesus and sharing them with me. And now I'm so glad that he did. Jesus has a very personal message for each and every one of us. I want to ask you to read Jesus' message to you, to I, with me now, would you? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of, because of Jesus. Now, as we're coming to the eighth and the last um, of the Beatitudes, it's going to um, wrap up our series on deep happiness. Deep happiness is something that Jesus knows that each and every one of us long for in our lives, and it's why he began what his most famous, some would say his most powerful sermon was. He began by speaking directly into that which he knew we would long for in our lives. He used eight action decisions, and he brings them to us in a way that we're all going to be able to both understand them and never forget them because of the the seemingly paradox or this contrast that these statements just cause. It's almost like an immediate dissidence in us. And if you have a Bible on your phone, in print, if you turn to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to find the Beatitudes there in front of us. And interesting, as we come down to the last one, which is gonna be in verse number 10, we find that it is the first seven of the Beatitudes that actually results in the eighth. Let's look at the eighth together. Here Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. I'll just pause there for a second. I remember the word that Jesus used that he starts each of the Beatitudes out with, the Greek word is makarios, means deep joy, deep happiness. Do you feel the dissonance already? Deeply happy are those who are persecuted. It's like, I'm not sure I'm feeling that, right? He said, because of righteousness. For theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you look at those words, there's the kingdom of heaven. And if you've read through these, if you follow us in the series, you're kind of like, didn't we hear this before? And it's true. If you go back to the very first of the Beatitudes in verse number three, Jesus started out saying this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand that they really, 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 really need God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you wonder if Jesus is just kind of like stuttering here or he ran out of things to say, so he just kind of, you know, kind of had to put this one on the end as well. He's actually using something called inclusio. And what inclusio does is if you start with a phrase, the kingdom of heaven, and then you put it at the end, the kingdom of heaven, you tie everything together. In other words, Jesus isn't saying, if you want deep happiness in your life, here's a smorgasbord of things you can do. Pick, you know, whatever ones you want. You go like, I like one, I like three, I like seven. Not so at all. He said, it's this unified understanding. These actions or decisions that you choose to step into is what is going to bring both deep happiness and also it results in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is the place where what God wants done is actually being done. And Jesus said that can take place here on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience the kingdom of heaven that is God's will in our life when we embrace that which Jesus has for us. Jesus wants to understand just how very very personal. In other words, it's one thing to speak to a group of people, but it's another thing to speak to a person. And Jesus wanted every person to understand that these words were for them. It's why he goes from verse 10 right into verse 11 that we read earlier, and he says, and blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Like this is gonna take me, I'm talking to you. And right afterwards, Jesus goes on to say, and you, you, you're the light of the world. You, you're the salt of the earth. And I want you to let your light so shine. Which kind of ties us right back into how is the first seven going to result in the eighth? And it's this. When we take this message of Jesus to us, when we receive it, allow it to become a part of us, then Jesus becomes a part of us. And we begin to take Jesus into the places that we go. We literally bring Jesus into the personal spaces at home and at work and in our neighborhoods. See, that's what being a follower of Jesus is. And it's actually part of God's amazing and strategic plan to be able to get his love and his message to all people in all places throughout the world. This was God's strategy long before the printing press and we're able to you know, print for people to get it, long before television or radio. It was a strategy before the internet and it's a more effective strategy than the internet. That is, when we experience Jesus personally, and we, as God's will for us is, when we become more like Jesus from the inside out, 
We begin to take Jesus wherever we go and all throughout the world. And people not only get the message of God, but they can experience the love of God that's taken place in their lives as well. It's an incredible strategy. And it's been so effective. And it's God's ongoing strategy. But we know, at least I'll have to be the one to you know, tell you if you don't know, Bringing the love of Jesus and bringing the good news, the gospel of Jesus with you, it isn't always well-received. I don't know if you've discovered that or not. Now, and I'm not talking about because, you know, there's divisiveness in the church and who wants anything to do with that or somebody's just being a hypocrite, somebody's being foolish or somebody, you know, sometimes people just want to attach weird to Jesus, right? Have you ever experienced weird and Jesus connected together? I have like, like... Like, like, no, thank you, please, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the message of Jesus not being well you know, received or actually um, you've got pushback. You've got reaction from it because of the reality. It's somewhat of a sad reality that Jesus explains in John 3. Now, after he makes his declaration, so Jesus says that God so loved the world that he, gave, that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. We know that message. We love that message. Jesus then said this. He said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that all the world through him should be saved. So important to understand that because of what continues. Whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And here you may feel like a little bit of tension or pushback. So Jesus says, and let me explain. He said, this is the verdict, or this is that reason for it. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light. They don't want to come into the light for fear that they, their deeds, would be revealed. I mean, it's kind of like this. When you've got a secret that you don't want anybody to know, and the door to that secret is being opened, don't you want to slam the door as quick as you can? Don't you want to discredit the person as quickly as you can to keep your secret a secret because of embarrassment or shame or whatever the reason? And so it is. So many times in our lives, when the light of truth begins to get shown upon us and we don't like what it's revealing, we run from the light. We react against the light in a very visceral way. But just because it happens doesn't mean we should give up or give up on the person that's reacting against the light or running from it or fighting against it for a couple of reasons. One reason would be the individual. Um, his name was Saul of Tarsus. Now, if you knew Saul of Tarsus, you knew this, that he hated Jesus. He persecuted Christians, and he hunted them. A person by the name of the Apostle Paul, probably heard of him, loved Jesus, was persecuted, was hunted for Jesus. And if you didn't know, they're the same person. The one who hated Jesus became the lover of Jesus. The one who was hunting became the hunted. And he went and proclaimed the world, even being persecuted for him. 
I mean, that's one reason not to give up right now, somebody like Paul. But another reason to give up is somebody like Guy. Because in my life, for such a long time, before I ever trusted Jesus, I ran from Jesus. And anybody that wanted to bring Jesus to me, I was either pushing them away or I was ridiculing them just to you know, repel them or get them away. But there might be another reason not to give up on people, and it could be you. Because a lot of you, before you ever trusted Jesus, you were pushing him away or you were running away from him. See, just because somebody today has a very negative reaction to Jesus doesn't mean give up on him because who knows what's gonna take place in just a little bit in their life. Nevertheless, Jesus says, we do need to understand that if we bring his love to others, if we share his truth with others, it's possible that we can receive a very negative reaction. He said sometimes it comes verbally. People just want to either put you down or they want to shut you up or they want to make fun of you, cut you off if you bring Jesus to them. Sometimes he said it's a social response. And that social response is I want to defriend you. In a family, there can be division that's in there. In fact, some people have actually got, I mean, divorces occurred just because one trusted Jesus and the other person's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Could be at work, could be financially, and sometimes it's even physically. People want to hurt you just because they see Jesus in you. He said, it's because of me. It's not because of you, because of me. And this has been true, Jesus said, since the beginning. He said, if they persecuted me, don't be surprised if they do it with you. And that's what the 12 apostles learned. In fact, if we take out one, Judas, we put in the apostle Paul, so we keep that even dozen. Do you know that 11 of the apostles are going to face violent deaths just because they represented and they told others about Jesus? And the one who didn't, John, it's not that they didn't try to kill him, because they did, he ended up being exiled to an island called Patmos. They thought they could shut him up by putting him there. Little did they know that that wasn't going to be the case that way. Since the time of Jesus, it's been estimated, this is in the Oxford Christian Encyclopedia, it's been estimated that 75 million men, women, and children have died, have been martyred just because they were a Christian, 75 million. And it's easy to think like, like whoa, that was, you know, that was then. But the truth of the matter is that half of that 75 million have died in the last 100 years. Half 1,900 years ago, half in the last 100 years. See, it's not a then thing. It's very much a now thing. Organizations like um, Voice of the Martyrs, they tell us, and these are conservative estimates now because they said it's really hard just to be able to get you know, the names and to know, you know what all's taking place there through the context they have. But they tell us that about 8,000 fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, they lose their life every year, which if you break that down, that's like 20 people a day. I mean, think about it. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Dead. 
two, four, six, eight, 10, two, four, six, eight, 10. Every day, people are losing their life just for identifying and bringing the love of Jesus to others. When I was getting ready um, for the Beatitudes series, I, I saw this title and I thought, ah, oh, this may help me a little bit. When faith is forbidden, you know, it's just thinking ahead on some of the things we teach on. It's a 40-day journey, so I thought, I'll take that 40-day journey and see what happens. I had no idea what all God was gonna do as I began to meet individuals that are current. These are people, many whom are alive today. I got to know about Shaker from Bangladesh. Shaker, 45 years old, trusts Jesus, and three things happen. Three things happen. One, he loses his job. Two, he loses his home. And in the first six months, there are 30 Muslim neighbors that find Jesus as their savior. I got to know a little bit about Hussein. Hussein lives in Iran, just individual, you know, a Christian like you and I. Hussein, because people saw Jesus in him, the Iranian government said, we're gonna put him in prison, but we're gonna let the prison do what for us what we would prefer to do ourselves. So they put Hussein in a prison block with 250 death row inmates. Yes, we'll drop a little bit of Jesus in there and see what happens to him. And he said, he's never had a greater experience with God and seen God work in people's lives. I get to know about Pastor Hakim. Hakim is in Mosul, Iraq. He had finished teaching a group of Christians that day, went out, um, and in his car he was met by three individuals, each one who put a bullet into him. Two in his chest, one in his arm. But eight days later, Hussein, miraculously out of the hospital, was back teaching again. He said in his coat that now has three bullet holes in it. I learned about Raymond and Susan Cole. They serve over in Malaysia. They are Malaysian. Raymond and Susan just got you know, continued um, messages saying, you need to stop teaching Jesus or else but they kept teaching Jesus. Yet five years ago, Raymond was abducted off the street and Susan hasn't seen him yet. And when I got to thinking about individuals, just like you, just like me, just like my kids and your kids, I felt this stirring of God's spirit in me. Now we can think, well that was then, but then we realize, no, it's today. Well, that's over there. But Jesus said, but I want you to understand what's here now. Because this is the common why. Why do these people go through what they go through? Why is this happening in their lives? Simply put, because they've trusted Jesus, because they love Jesus, because they love people. And they're just willing to let Jesus be known through them to other people. And when we get this common why in our lives, we've trusted Jesus, we love Jesus, and we love people. And we're gonna let other people know about Jesus as well. Well, then we may begin to experience some of the pushback, some of the oppression that can come upon us. If you're in high school, if you're in college, 
If you let Jesus be known, you know, that you're just a follower of Jesus, you let others know that you're a Christian. So many times you're gonna find that that is something that you get put down for, you are laughed at, you're ridiculed. You are not called the cool kid because of your faith in Jesus. Why? Because it's like, if we can put it down, then we don't have to be exposed to the light. Just this past year, I wish I could tell you how many times I've heard this over and over again. Those that are looking, I mean, they just wanna have, you know, Christian relationship. And so whether using a dating app or friends or however they're meeting other people, that after just a couple weeks of dating, because they're not willing to sleep with the other individual, other individual just says, I'm done with you and I'm moving on to somebody. These, these Christians. When Jesus is seen in you, maybe a neighbor just doesn't want anything to do with you. Maybe there is tension in your family. Just because as somebody who's trusted Jesus and loves Jesus, and you let Jesus be known in you. Not weird, not pushy, not obnoxious, but just because you care about people. Let's ask, how many here have had at least a little bit of negative pushback in your life because of your faith? Cast your hands, at least a little bit. How many would say, I've experienced, actually I've experienced a lot in my life. Okay. And, and that's real. We're not comparing ourselves to other places in the world. We're just going like, what is it that we're going through? What is it that we're dealing with? And this is what Jesus wants us to step into because I've got a message for you. As I, um, as I just wanted to, you know, allow Jesus this working in my life, he took a little, you know, three sentences and like turned my world upside down. They came from a book called Momentum. It's actually a book on the Beatitudes. It's by Colin Smith. But here's what Colin said, in, in, just in light of all that we said. He said, if our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have their goods and their livelihoods taken by force, can we choose to release ours in sacrificial giving? He said, if other believers are in prison and we're free, I'm thinking this just myself, can we use our freedom to extend ourselves with joy and without complaint in the work of Christ's kingdom? And he said, if other Christians are exhausted with the pains of beatings and torture, can't we surely press through the tiredness and discouragement that we often feel and find renewed strength in Christ to continue to serve him? And the Holy Spirit was just like, what about you, guy? Like, there is a new calling up and a, re, a reviving of spirit. And I want to I allow that calling up to you as well. In fact, using Jesus' words, here's something I want to ask you to do. Get your phone with you. Um, each week that we have done through the Beatitudes, we've um, asked you to use your phone, scan the QR code, and I'm going to encourage you to do it right now, and download what is, is the Beatitude the teaching of Jesus that he gives to us that week. So this week, it would be Matthew 3.10. So you'll see that on the screen up there. And if you'll download this, put on your screensaver, for the next week or two, you're going to just be, you know, when you open up your phone, you're gonna read these words. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And when you see that word persecuted, here's what I want you to remember. 
The word persecuted, original word, means pursued. Blessed are those who are pursued. In other words, a person, when they see something in you, it's not just a reaction, but they are pursuing, in this case, for persecution, they are intentionally following after to try to shut this down. But the word pursued, persecuted, pursued, is also used to describe the follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is one who pursues Jesus. Now you can say this, that you are not going to be pursued, persecuted by others if you are not pursuing Jesus. I'm gonna be really careful right here because I don't want to imply that if you're not being persecuted right now, it doesn't mean that you're not pursuing Jesus. I'm not saying that, but I am saying this, that if you do pursue Jesus, you ultimately are going to be pursued. That's what Jesus says. And he wants us to be prepared, but even more so, he wants us to be pursuing him. Remember, the first seven is what results in the eight. When we look at these words, we're going to ask ourselves the question, how am I pursuing Jesus right now? Maybe those words of Colin Smith is going to come back. Maybe it's going to be in our giving. Maybe it's going to be in our serving. You can use that QR code. You can jump on it right now and just kind of scroll through. There's a lot of ways to help you pursue Jesus. One of the ways is serving and helping out with kids. In just a few weeks, we're going to do something called Summer XP here. And we hope to have hundreds of kids to be able to minister to, to be able to help them, to bring joy into their life, but also to bring Jesus up close to them. We do this at night so that we can get as many adults, many teenagers involved as we possibly can. I wanna ask you, would you join us? Would you join in serving in that way? It's three nights, four nights, sign up online, stop by the table. There's a lot of different ways that we could join together in serving in a church because we have neighborhoods and communities that we want to bring Jesus into. Just your neighbor. Would you pursue Jesus by blessing your neighbor? We use this acrostic, bless, begin with prayer, listen, eat with, serve, share. Why wouldn't we bless our neighbor? Is because we're a little bit afraid of what they might think about us. Talking with a friend, he said, um, you know, I don't ever wear anything like, I don't wear any of these Christian shirts or Christian apparel. Because I realized I'm a little bit concerned what people might think about me. And he said, it just stopped me in my tracks when I heard myself say that. When we're concerned that people are gonna see Jesus in us. Maybe it's because you've had a bad experience, but I wanna pull you back to the good experience of Jesus. As one who's received him, as one who loves him, one who loves other people. I just wanna ask you, has Jesus helped you in your life? Is Jesus helping you in your life? And if he is, why would you? Not want your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, at least to know about that, let alone experience it themselves.
There's no guilt. This is that calling up that Jesus gives to us because you are the light of the world. You are how they are going to experience God's love and how they are going to see Jesus in their lives. And he uses these words, the Beatitudes, just to kind of set us up for following after him and living in a way that lets us be that light and salt. So before we're done, I couldn't think of a better way to kind of wrap everything up than by going back to these words. And just opening ourselves up, both in reading through these words of Jesus to us taking a little bit of time just to be able to allow the Spirit of God to speak into our lives. Before I do that, I just want to ask, have you received Jesus? Maybe it is you've been one that's going like, I didn't want anything to do with the light. I mean, I've been, I've been running from it. I've actually been pushing people away. But no more. Because today is your day to go from that Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul. From the one who goes like, no thank you to God, it's true. All that the light reveals in me, it's true. And I need your grace, I need your forgiveness, I need what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And if that's you, then Jesus said, today is your day, the day of your salvation. Would you pray with me? Thanks, Jesus, that you are the one that pursue us. Thanks, Jesus, that you, through us, allow people to continue to find life, to find hope, to find happiness, because without you, they don't, and they won't. Help us, Jesus, in that. And for those that are ready to open their life to you, Jesus, to call upon you as Savior, the one who's resurrected from the dead, the one who can make them a child of God. Friend, if it's your desire to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, I'm gonna ask you just to boldly lift up a hand to acknowledge that that is both your desire and your prayer to trust and receive Jesus. Lift it up, hold it up. God bless you, others. Thank you for your saving grace in each and every one of these people's lives, Jesus. It is a true miracle. But the miracle doesn't end with the opening up of our lives. The miracle continues all throughout our life until the time we see you face to face. And for that, again, we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.